Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Matthews, the founder and chief resilience officer of Asphalus Advisors. Today, I'm super excited because we are speaking on the topic of adventures in water and wastewater utility. And today we have joining us Julia Halsney. She is the manager of business continuity with East Bay Municipal Utility District. Julia, how are you doing? I'm great. It's so great to be here. I really appreciate you uh, inviting me to come along on this ride. Absolutely. So I'm excited because we're talking about adventures. So I know you have a lot of stories that you can share with us. But before we get into that, can you share a little bit more with our listeners how you landed in business continuity? Well, of course, it wasn't a direct route. So um, my um, background in education is in chemistry. I got my degree in chemistry. I have my master's in environmental science. And I started in the environmental field, working in laboratories and also working for consulting in environmental field. And then eventually that led me to an opening at East Bay Municipal Utility District, which we call MUD or Mother MUD, depends on how you, you view it. But um, I worked in their laboratory for about five years and a position came open on the management team. They had this program where they were trying to promote from within so if you're a mid-level supervisor or manager, there was this program you could apply to. And part of that was they would give you a project. I applied. I was accepted into that program. And my project was business continuity. Now, I had a background a little bit in emergency preparedness and that kind of stuff, but not in business continuity. I had never heard of it before. So they sent me to a three-day class. I got immersed in it. And then my project task was to look at our program, where it was what the industry standard was, and then kind of set a benchmark and a plan for how would we get to meet that standard. And so I did that. It was a six-month project. And one of the things I said was, you need a full-time permanent person championing this to kind of focus it and make sure that it was an effective program. And they said, well, that's nice. We don't have the budget for that. So go back to your old position. So I went back to my old position and they gave it to somebody else who had a full-time job and they struggled with it and tried to do the best they could. And after a year, they decided, well, maybe there was something to that. So they did open this position as a temporary and then as a permanent. And I applied and I was accepted. And so I was promoted into the position and I've been there ever since. So it's been about 13 years now. So it's been great. Awesome. Well, it is one, great to have another woman in the field of business continuity. And then two, in water and wastewater, even better. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the state of water and wastewater. You know, when I think about that, I think about the droughts that we're experiencing. I think about wildfires, uh, you know, the conversation of global warming. Question for you is, what is the state of water and wastewater in America today? What, what does that look like? So the industry itself is, is different depending on the location. So there are private utilities as well as public utilities. We are a public utility. Some only focus on water. Some have water and wastewater. And then some are part of cities and counties and some are special districts. We happen to be a special district. That means that basically all our income from our residents um, comes directly to us. And that's how we budget. If you were part of a city, then it would go in the general fund and then it would be part of that whole budget process. So that drives the difference between uh, the types of agencies and how they're administered. We have an eight member board that is elected. And so they manage us as well as we have a general manager and the organization. But 
the industry itself, you're right, drought is a big issue for us. Uh, with COVID-19, actually, one of our biggest issues is we have a lot of customers who lost their job and have no income. And so by law, but anyway, we did it before the law was passed. We can't just cut them off from water because water is life. You can live without power, but you sure can't live without water. So we have a whole program that was set up beforehand, but we've just expanded it and broadcast it a little bit wider so people are educated about it. But we have a way of setting people up on a payment plan or reducing their cost and doing different things so that we can support them so they still have water and it's still coming in regardless of whether they have a job or not or an income or not. And so that's one of the biggest things that I think people are dealing with because again, then that drives your revenue right? So your revenue is down. That's a big issue that we're dealing with now. And longer term would be the drought and the wildfires that we have and water quality. We've been fortunate enough with the wildfires that have hit in Northern California. That's where I'm based. I'm in Oakland, California, but our watershed is up in the Sierras and where the fires have been happening. Um, luckily, they didn't impact our watershed. We were fortunate in that regard, but it has impacted other water agencies and they've had to deal with that as well. Wow. I, I don't know if I would want to be a business continuity manager <laughs> for some of the things that you've talked about, because that's a lot and that's a lot of risk, right? And, and, you know, some of that sits on your shoulders and I'm sure you have colleagues across the organization where they may, you know, bear the weight of some of that risk, risk too. As you think about risks, what are some of the emerging risks that you see from a water and wastewater perspective? Uh, so what I mean by that is, at some point, a pandemic was an emerging risk until it became the, the current crisis. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so what do you see as some of the things that are on the peripheral and they're coming? So um, since we are in Oakland, we are in earthquake country. So that's our biggest hazard and biggest risk, the potential impact of that. And we actually have been working for years with USGS on um, that risk and what the potential impact is not only to our agency, but to the community at large and how we would respond and recover to that. And then coordinating and uh, working closely with our cities and our service area, the counties. So we cover more than one county and managing that is a big part of it. Sort of like if you think of New Orleans has all the parishes, yep. they have to coordinate. So water and wastewater has that same issue where they need to deal with different cities and deal with communities and deal with that. So that's a big risk for us. And we're always planning for that. We had planned for a pandemic, but we have been fortunate, you know, nothing else had hit us this hard. The long-term impacts of the pandemic is what we're looking at now. We're looking at, okay, we have essential workers who have been online since the beginning. Uh, a lot of our office workers could work from home but the operators can't do that. The guys who fix the pipes in the street can't do that remotely. They have to be there. So um, now we're looking at how do we implement a testing program for our employees? How do we implement a vaccine program for our employees so that they get cared for and taken care of in a way that makes good sense and in a priority with all the other, you know, first line responders and the medical professionals and teachers and, and the grocery workers as well. So what I heard you say is one, based upon your geography, it's an earthquake. That's a big emerging risk. And then secondly, it's safety for your people. Right. Yes. I think what we can all agree on the business continuity is we don't have a business if we don't have people. Exactly. And it also sounds like an earthquake would be the worst case scenario yes. for you and your team. 
Can you talk a little bit about how you and your team go about planning for what would be that worst case scenario for a water utility company? So we have a full blown program that's based on uh, the FEMA model, the Homeland Security Exercise and Evaluation Program, HSIP. So we follow that. And so we plan, we have um, an earthquake response plan, but we exercise that and we train for that. And all our staff gets ICS trained incident command system. So they, now one of the nice things is they can do a lot of that online, right? So um, we have our own program where we kind of talk about, of course, we have our own language and we like to do it our way. So we kind of tweak it a little bit, but, but all, all, the majority of our staff go through at least 100, 200. And then um, depending on where they are on the emergency operations team, they might go higher to the 300, 400, 700, 800. And then there's a state class um, by the Office of Emergency Services in California. It's called the GS-606, which talks about incident command system in California. But through all that training, we do that. We have over 23 business continuity plans. Some are at the division, some are at the section, some are at the department level. Depends on how autonomous, how complex that group is. And then based on that, they, they have to update those plans every two years and they exercise them every year. We do a major exercise with the emergency operations team annually. Um, we do about 45 exercises a year. Some are seminars, some are workshops, some are tabletops, some are functional. It really depends on the work group and where they fit in and how sophisticated and mature their program is. Through all of that, it helps us practice. Right. So this, you could say COVID has been a big practice. We've, this is the longest we've ever activated our EOT. Mm. And so we're practicing, how do you fill out the ICS forms? How do you communicate with each other? What's the best frequency? What are the channels? Who needs to know what? All that stuff um, prepares us for that earthquake. And then we think about how is that going to impact us long-term? How do we streamline this, make it more efficient? Are we leaving anything out? That kind of stuff. So we'll do an after action report. We've done one for phase one of COVID. We'll do another one for the end of this. But we always do an after action, whether it's an event or an exercise and kind of incorporate those lessons learned to build our program. 45 exercises. I'm still on that number. (laughs) But I love it because it's being in a position where we are prepared and positioned, right, to respond versus to react. And by you guys practicing, I would imagine that for the majority of your team, it's like muscle, you know, it's- Exactly, right. yeah, that's it, that's it. It's they, and then we've never had somebody who's gone through an exercise and gone, well, that was a waste of time. Nine times out of 10, they're like, ooh, now I get it. Now I see how this would work. Now I understand my role better. I understand what I need to be thinking about and building on it. And it gauges them at a level that's really wonderful. You know, it really makes them see the contribution and that we value what they're doing. And we want to make sure that it continues without interruption. Absolutely. You know, going back to the point you made earlier about where we are with the state of water and wastewater. What responsibility does the general public have? And what about governments and business? What what responsibilities do each of these, you know, segments of our population have? So um, we all have the responsibility to be prepared. So we try and push that to our community and to our peer groups and to businesses in the community, you know, to have water set aside and rations and have a communication plan set up with your family or through the business 
how you're going to do with it. What's your backup plan if your primary, you know, power goes out or whatever, if it's an earthquake. With our system, the way it works is we're responsible for a certain portion of the, the piping, right? So once it hits your building, you're kind of responsible for that. Once it hits the sewer system, the city's responsible for that. Um, the interceptors, those are our responsibility for wastewater and to the wastewater treatment plant, but you're kind of responsible for the pipes underneath. So you need to get those inspected. You need to make sure that they're sound, that kind of thing. Um, when the repair happens, we'll work together to make that happen. But I think each business has an obligation to have a business continuity plan. So they always want to be prepared for hospitals. What we try and do is make sure that they have enough stored water on site so that if there was a breach in the water service, they can still perform at least the basic functions that they need to. For some of the older facilities, it's harder, right? For a refinery, they use potable water for cooling towers, typically. One of the things that we've done is worked with Chevron, who's one of our bigger customers, and we use recycled water in the cooling water tank. So that enables us, if, if we need to, we can switch back to potable water if there was a breach, but they have this alternative source that's a little more cost-effective for them and for us. So we're not using potable water for that, but it's always looking that long-term, you know, if you have irrigation, can you use recycled water instead of potable water? Um, looking for ways to um, be more efficient using gray water, um, reuse, that kind of stuff, really planning long-term for sustainability and water and to account for when those droughts happen and how you're gonna manage through that. So you can look for the, the earthquake and the what if, but the drought we're living through right now. So just private consumers, the average residential customer, it's conserving water is a great thing. We've asked our customers on numerous occasions when we've had these droughts and they've always stepped up to the plate to minimize their water use and to really look at that. And we're fortunate that they've been so generous and careful and planning and they care, that helps. Julia, where can our listeners find you? East Bay Mud has a website, so it's www.ebmud.com. And then um, you can also reach me by email at julia.halsney at ebmud.com. And Halsney is H-A-L-S-N-E. Well, there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. Subscribe, share, download, and look out for future episodes.